Today on the Matt Wall Show, a major scandal has leaked emails revealed the Democratic mayor of Nashville was covering up COVID-19 data in order to fraudulently continue the lockdowns. He didn't want people to know that bars and restaurants actually were not significant vectors for transmission. So we'll talk about that story and also ask, given everything we've seen recently, why would anyone vote for a Democrat to run their city or state? Also, five headlines, including Trump's patriotic education, as he calls it, initiative, and uh, also a video of an unhinged woman berating a CVS employee for calling the cops on shoplifters. And our daily cancellation will cancel the people burning J.K. Rowling's books because they're mad that she believes that men have penises. It's a good reason. Good a reason as any to burn a book, I suppose. All of that on the way. But first, a couple of very important notes. First of all, I want to tell you, of course, about our very good friends at uh, Rock Auto. You know, if you're, if you have a problem with your car, uh, you have a few options. You know, you can go to the mechanic and you can sit there. You can pay a lot of money and go to the auto parts store uh, and wander aimlessly around the aisles, not knowing what you're looking at. Or I think a much better option is just go to rockauto.com. So much easier than walking into a store. The other part about walking into, a, at least if you're me and you're not an expert in cars, you're gonna get you're gonna get pelted with all these questions you might not know answers to, and you're gonna feel very emasculated. That might just be a me problem. I don't know, but either way. No problem there with rockauto.com. You carry it around at, in your pocket, at your desk. You have it in your, in your laptop. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. They're not going to change prices to, you know, uh, sort of get as much of, as they can out of you. They're going to give you the lowest price they possibly can. Rockauto.com, family business, honest business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And uh, you can go there, rockauto.com, to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds and hundreds of different manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and uh, they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, and they've got that great selection, everything you could possibly want, very easy to navigate as well. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Walsh in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Okay, um, the local Fox affiliate in Nashville has obtained leaked emails that appear to show COVID-19 cover-up among city officials at the mayor's office. But this was not a cover-up to hide how bad the situation was, as you know, Trump and others have been accused of doing erroneously. On the contrary, they didn't want the public to know just how safe and unthreatened they actually were. So this is from the Fox report by Dennis Ferrier. Uh, says, the coronavirus cases on Lower Broadway may have been so low that the mayor's office and the Metro Health Department decided to keep it a secret. Emails between the mayor's senior advisor and the health department reveal only a partial picture, but what they reveal is disturbing. The discussion involves the low number of coronavirus cases emerging from bars and restaurants and how to handle that. And most disturbingly, how to keep it from the public. Uh, the report goes on. On June 30th, contact tracing was given a small view of coronavirus clusters. Construction and nursing homes were found to be causing problems with more than a thousand cases traced each category. We knew about that, of course, with the nursing homes. Uh, but it says, but bars and restaurants reported just 22 cases. Leslie Waller from the health department asks, this isn't going to be publicly released, right? Just info from the mayor's office. Correct. This is from uh, senior advisor Benjamin Eagle says, correct, not for public consumption. A month later, the health department is asked point blank about the rumor that there are only 80 cases traced to bars and restaurants. Tennessee Lookout reporter Nate Rao asks, the figure you gave of more than 80 does lead to a natural question. If there have been over 20,000 positive cases of COVID-19 in Davidson and only 80 or so are traced to bars and restaurants, doesn't that mean restaurants and bars aren't a very big problem? 
Health Department official Brian Todd asked uh, five, five health department officials, please advise how you recommend I respond. And, um, and then here it comes. This is the most important part. The, the name of the person who gives this response isn't known. Apparently, it was clipped from the screenshots that, was, that were sent to the news channel. But this is what somebody says. My two cents. We have certainly refused to give counts per bar because those numbers are low per site. We could still release the total, though, and then a response to the over 80 could be because that number is increasing all the time, and we don't want to say a specific number. The article then goes on to say that the authenticity of these emails was confirmed by a Metro staff attorney. So what do we have here? We have a Democratic mayor shutting down bars and restaurants, putting thousands of people out of work, ruining countless lives, eviscerating the local economy, and all on a false premise that he knew, apparently, to be a false premise. But in fact, the situation is even worse than it sounds. Let's look at let's look now at, a, at another local media report. This is from uh, the NBC affiliate in in uh, Nashville on July second of this year. On July second, the city reverted back to the more restrictive phase two of their reopening plan. They had been in phase three, which allowed for bars to be open in a limited capacity. Um, allowed restaurants to operate at a moderately reduced capacity. But then on July 2nd, they went back. Bars had to be shut down again completely for two weeks. Restaurants had to reduce their capacity by another 25% down to 50% from 75%. A local musician in the, in, in the city uh, messaged me yesterday and said that, you know, bar owners were blindsided by this because they had already opened up. They'd also stocked up for the holiday weekend. They were coming up to July 4th. And then out of nowhere, they found out about this in the media. Um, they were shut down and much of their product went to waste. The mayor, though, said this in a statement at the time. This was uh, in, in right before July 4th weekend. He says, Nashville faces another challenge in a season of challenges. Our phase three has not been effective. We are going to go back to what we know is effective in slowing the spread of the disease. Beginning Friday, July 3rd, and for the next several weeks at least, Nashville will revert to a phase two with modifications of the roadmap for reopening Nashville. The modified plan is tailored on what we've learned through contact tracing investigations over the past several weeks. It is in response to sharp recent increases and clustering of cases. Okay, well, we know now from the leaked emails that contract tracing, uh, contact tracing rather, investigations really show that there was no reason for bars and restaurants to be closed at all. There was no medical reason for him to do this. So what was the real reason well, it might be worth noting that a bar in the city, in fact, one co-owned by Kid Rock, as it happens, um, filed a lawsuit against the mayor not long before this phase two, the sequel, was debuted. So was the mayor punishing the people that were suing him? Was he trying to make things look worse because it would help him with the lawsuit? Uh, we don't know, but this is a massive scandal anyway. It's also worth noting something else. And, and I, I got several messages pointing this out, and I, I, I looked it up to confirm it. The mayor's son was set, was set to graduate from a swanky private school in the city at the end of June. Now, under phase two, he, he couldn't have an in-person graduation. But the mayor went to phase three, coincidentally, right in time for the graduation, and then back to phase two right after. Huh. Now, let's zoom out and take a, a wider view. The Democrat mayor in Nashville apparently hid COVID data, data, shut down bars and restaurants for no justifiable reason. 
Yeah, the Democrat mayor of Chicago shut down her city while continuing to get her hair done by a professional stylist, even while threatening her citizens with arrest for doing the same. Meanwhile, crime and violence plague the city in Chicago. She does nothing about it. Democrat mayor of New York, one of the most incompetent and embarrassing public officials in our nation's history. He's been stumbling his way through the crisis in disastrous fashion, trampling on the Constitution every step of the way. Let's not forget, this is the same guy who threatened to shut down churches permanently if they defied him. Democrats, Democrat mayors of Portland and Seattle, they let insurrectionists run their city for weeks and months on end. The Democrat mayor of Minneapolis laid down in the fetal position while mobs burned his city, invaded his police stations, burned his police stations to the ground. He went to George Floyd's funeral and wept before the golden casket. Democrat mayors of LA, Atlanta, Kenosha, very similar things. What you find all across the country where Democrats are in control is chaos, crime, economic regression and stagnation, filth, misery, the breakdown of law and order. This is what you find. These are people unfit to lead. Half of them should probably be in jail. But why? I think that's an interesting question. Why? Why do Democrats make for such abysmal leaders? The fact that they do is, is, is very apparent. But why? I think there are a few answers to that. But here's one thing to consider. Democrats put ideology first, forever and always, in all situations. This has made them effective culture warriors, uh, more effective than conservatives. And it makes them effective activists. And it makes them effective brainwashers of our children. They are very good at exploiting any and all avenues to spread their satanic gospel. But governing a state or a country or running a city, uh, dealing with real problems and crises, pandemic, riots, crime, gangs, drugs, homelessness, that requires practical skills. But Democrat governors and mayors are all lawyers, career politicians, activists. Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, she's a lawyer. Bill de Blasio started his career as a political organizer. The mayor of Seattle is a lawyer. Mayor of Los Angeles is a college professor. has been in politics for 20 years. He's only 49, by the way. These are people who, who don't know the first thing about leading, managing, solving problems because they're activists, attorneys, and academics and politicians. And it shows. Now, I say all of this, um, but I don't want to make it sound like they really want to do the job well, but are a bunch of blundering fools who can't figure it out. They are blundering fools, but I don't think they actually care about doing the job. I don't think they care about the people they lead or even like those people. That's another problem with Democrats. They're conditioned practically from birth to hate America and most of its inhabitants. How can you lead people you hate? How can you lead people you don't understand? A guy like Ted Wheeler in Portland, he doesn't understand anyone on any side of any issue. Doesn't understand the left-wing radicals he's appeasing. That's why they hate him. They ran him out of his apartment in the middle of the night. He doesn't understand the normal people, what dwindling few remain in the city who just want to live their lives and run their businesses doesn't like them either, or care about them, or what happens to them. And that's a common thread that links all of these people together. And it's why you don't have to be a Republican. This isn't a pitch for Republicans. But if you vote for a Democrat to run your city or your state or your country, you are asking for disastrous results, which you will surely get. Let's get to our five headlines. Well, when you spend a lot of time um, on the internet, as as I certainly do, and I think we all do, and you are right now, which is good. I want you to be here. Uh, you leave yourself wide open to the bad guys. There are a lot of bad people on, on the internet who have uh, devious intentions, shall we say. The FBI cyber division is warning that students and families will be increasingly vulnerable to cyber attacks because of the current online learning uh, and the use of teleconference applications. You think about all the kids 
right now, kids are already spending way too much time online. And now so many of them are hours a day on, uh, on school online, even young kids. Since the start of the pandemic, there's been a 300% increase in cybercrime activity. Hackers are becoming more sophisticated in taking advantage of teleconference accounts through which they are pawning information like, like emails and passwords, uh, which is why it's really important to have a, first of all, have a conversation with your kids about protecting their information, you know, tell them the threats that are out there uh, and, and, and help them with that. But this is also why you need LifeLock. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives every day. We put our information at risk on the internet. And LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. And if they detect your information, um, they will send you an alert. And uh, and if there is a problem, they're going to help you uh, get yourself and restore your, your identity um, as well. So nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is for sale on the dark web. Get your free dark web scan at lifelock.com slash scan. Pick the plan that's right for you. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code Walsh. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash scan and 25% off with promo code Walsh. Okay, um, let's go to our headlines. Number one, President Trump yesterday unveiled something called the 1776 Commission, which he established by executive order to promote patriotic education as, as, uh, as he is selling it. Here he is explaining it. Today, I'm also pleased to announce that I will soon sign an executive order establishing a national commission to promote patriotic education. It will be called the 1776 Commission. Thank you. It will encourage our educators to teach our children about the miracle of American history and make plans to honor the 250th anniversary of our founding. Think of that, 250 years. Now, I, I like the idea, as we, as, you know, as we talked about yesterday. I, I think it's, this actually uh, it works with the topic of the show yesterday. Uh, our education system, as it is currently run, churns out people who both hate and are ignorant of our country and its history and its traditions. And this is unique, by the way. This, this, is, this is not normal. It would be hard to come up with an example of, of an education system in any other country throughout history that had the goal of turning future generations against the country itself. That's how our, our education system operates. That's not a normal thing. Now, granted, the whole idea of having an education system in a formal sense is relatively new, but even so, ours is suicidal and self-destructive by design. And it's good that we would do anything to combat that. I'm in favor of that. With that said, two points. Number one, um, I would prefer if we called this truthful education. I think truthful education rather than patriotic education. Because the problem with what the kids are taught about America in schools, it isn't that the lessons are unpatriotic. It's that they aren't true. The idea that America is fundamentally racist. Um, that's not an unpatriotic idea. Well, it is unpatriotic, but that's not the problem. If it was true, then I would say, yeah, kids should learn that. Kids should learn the truth in school, even if it's a difficult truth. The problem is it, it isn't true. So it's untruthful. So I, I would prefer truthful education, but patriotic edu education is okay too. And the second point is just keep in mind and remember, there is no initiative that can change the fact that our education system is dedicated to left-wing indoctrination. 
That is what it is fundamentally at its core. That's not going to change, at least not overnight. It will take generations. That's a generational change. And I know for me, when we talked about this yesterday, I got some emails from people saying, well, you know, if you abandon the, the education system and, and you're not fighting to change it, then you're part of the problem. Now, you know what? When you say fight to change it, what you're saying is you want me to send my kids in and have my kids fight to change it. No, you know, that's not my kid's job. My kid's job at the age of seven is not to fight for changes in the education system. It is my responsibility to make sure they are educated. Not their job to, 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 to change society. They're not, they're not prepared for that. They're not ready for that. Um, so it's a generational change, but frankly, my kids are not going to be part of making that change happen. Um, also, by the way, Trump, I wanted to play this. He, he attacked critical race theory during his remarks, and the media didn't like this at all. Let's listen to this clip. A perfect example of critical race theory was recently published by the Smithsonian Institution. This document alleged that concepts such as hard work, rational thinking, and the nuclear family and belief in God were not values that unite all Americans, but were instead aspects of whiteness. This is offensive and outrageous to Americans of every ethnicity, and it's especially harmful to children of minority backgrounds who should be uplifted, not disparaged. Teaching this horrible doctrine to our children is a form of child abuse in the truest sense of those words. Yeah, my only problem with him calling critical race theory child abuse, and a lot of leftists were upset about that, my only problem is that he should have said that it is putrid, noxious garbage and also child abuse. But what he said is totally true as well. Unassailably true. Uh, number two, from the Daily Wire, 33 Republican lawmakers added their names to a letter that uh, Representative Jim Banks sent to Attorney General William Barr on Thursday, urging him to prosecute Netflix for distributing child pornography. In the latest addition to the backlash against the Netflix Cuties movie, which depicts prepubescent girls in sexually provocative situations, Banks and his colleagues condemned the uh, streaming platform and called for them to be prosecuted. Uh, and that's what they, they, they sent the letter to, to Barr for. I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but it should. And uh, I've been saying this for a long time, that standing up against filth and degeneracy, standing up against the sexualization and corruption of children, that is not only the right thing to do, um, but the great thing is it's also extremely popular. It's an extremely popular position. If only the Republicans had the guts to do it. And finally, it takes Republicans a while to figure this, figure things out. But after a few decades, they've figured this out. And so this is good. Number three, Lady Gaga, in another courageous moment from a celebrity, has come out. You're not going to believe this. Um, she has come out against white supremacy. I know. Pretty, pretty, pretty risky position for anyone to take, especially a celebrity. So this is from the Daily Wire. It says, um, uh, quoting her, I am in the process of learning and unlearning things I've been taught my whole life. Wait. I'm in the process of learning and unlearning things I've been... So first she's going to learn them, and then she's going to unlearn them. Why not just don't learn them to begin with, and then you don't have to unlearn them? I don't understand this. Uh, she says, when you're born in this country, we all drink the poison that is white supremacy. Social justice is not just a literacy it's a lifestyle. None of this means anything. Nothing that I just read means anything. 
She continues, what do I think about posting a black square? I think everybody has a different feeling about a black square. Do, do I think there's such a thing as performative activism? Yes. Do I think there's been true activism that's been very important? Yes. Do I believe black lives matter? Yes. Do I believe this is going to get louder? Yes. Do I believe it should? Yes. Do I ask myself questions that nobody else really cares about? Yes. The last one was from me, not her. Uh, so a lot of very courageous positions here. Um, just, just, to, just to summarize, she thinks black lives matter. Um, she's not in favor of white supremacy. And she thinks that, uh, that as far as posting a black square, some people do it and some people don't. Those are her opinions. Bold. Number four. Now, here's something that's really bold. Okay, let's go to real. Here's some real courage. The governor of Nigeria's Kaduna state has signed a law saying, this is from the Daily Mail, by the way, saying that uh, men convicted of rape will face surgical castration. And anyone raping a child under age 14 will face the death penalty under the new legislation. It follows public anger over a recent increase of rapes amid COVID-19 restrictions, which prompted the nation's state uh, governors to declare a state of emergency. Um, the, uh, says one of the officials, the drastic penalties are required to help further protect children from a serious crime. I, I would be absolutely in favor of that in this country. You know, I think it's, it's sort of absurd if you're going to have capital punishment, the idea that the only thing that can earn the capital, capital punishment is killing someone. Um, there are crimes you can commit that are at least as bad as murdering someone, oftentimes worse. Raping a child would be one of those things. <clears throat> That's never going to happen here, but I would be certainly in favor of it. Five, finally, this really could have been my daily cancellation. So it was, it was kind of a tie between this and the one that I'm going to do. Uh, so this is, maybe this is daily cancellation 1A. And I'll tell you what you're going to witness here in this video. This video is the divide in America right now. The two people in this video represent the two sides of America. It's almost not even ideological. You have reasonable guy on one side and insane harpy on the other. Watch this. May I ask, um, so I live in the neighborhood, sure. um, and I have come to the CVS very often. May I ask why you called the police on those two men? Um, CVS policy dictates that if they're shoplifters, mm -hmm. the exit store with merchandise unpaid for, yeah. we should get the police involved. And if the police apprehend them, mm -hmm. we issue a barring order. Okay. So I actually did not elect the first charge. I said, hey, look, I just want them to know they can't come in here anymore because they shoplifted, and I just need them to sign that, and I need my merchandise back. And the officers obliged, and the guy said the same thing, thank you, and they left. It's not your merchandise. It's the store. So you know what happens when the men are black people, and you decided to call the police on two black people that stole, that allegedly took something from the store, because you're willing to uphold the policy and they could have lost their lives. We, we can agree to disagree on this because I don't work for you and I don't answer. I follow my company's policies, not your policies, where I can appreciate concerns. So I, you're willing to risk someone's life for what, $30,000 a year? There, That's There was no risk in my opinion. That, Thank you. You have a great night. Thank what you. is your name? My name is Storm Manager. No, what is his name? No one's going to tell you my name when you're sitting here videotaping us so that you can try and elicit some sort of violence against you. It's not going to happen. Elicit violence against you? You just elicited violence against two black men no, by calling they, the police on them. They got to walk away when one of them had a warrant and could have been arrested and the cops still let him go. Just li listen to yourself. You work with black folks. You just remember that. Yes, you see, if, if, um, if somebody commits a crime 
and you call the police and they get hurt, probably while assaulting the cops, it's your fault for calling. That's the point that that woman was trying to make. Now, this is, this is obviously insane. If you find yourself sympathizing at all with the woman in that exchange and not with the guy who is, I mean, that guy, give that guy a raise. Uh, he's, he's, he's a manager for CDS. He's not paid to deal with this, but, um, this guy, incredibly reasonable, articulate and explains, you know, it's patient as well, way more patient than I would be. This guy deserves a massive raise. But if you watch that exchange, and you find yourself at all sympathizing with the woman, then you need to reevaluate your whole life. But you, but that that's the side you're on, and you, you you're there's a very clear dividing line here. It is it is it is good guy bad guy, and you see in that exchange there, there's a very clear good guy bad guy. Um, but there's something more insidious going on here. It is the first thing that came to mind when I when I watched this, because keep in mind that in some of these high profile police shootings. The one in Lancaster, uh, for example, Kenosha with Jacob Blake, another example, and others as well. Very often, it's a it's a woman. It wasn't the case here, but but very often it's a woman who calls the cops because she's being threatened or abused by a man. So then the person in this video, and this this is what you hear from Black Lives Matter and Antifa as well. This is a common attitude. But what is she saying? She's saying. Apparently, if you're a woman being abused by a man, don't call the cops. But if he, because if he gets himself shot when the cops come, because he's a violent lunatic, um, then it's going to be your fault. I mean, how, how many women who are faced with the next Jacob Blake will hesitate to call the cops? Because they know, with their, based on their experience with this man, that he's a violent lunatic. And if the cops come, then he might get himself shot. And so the woman's going to worry, well, if that happens, you know, my life's going to be over too, because everyone's going to blame me like this, this, this crazy woman and people like her are going to blame me. Uh, so that's something that, that I really worry about. But again, there's the dividing line in America. Just decide whose side are you on. Let's get to our daily cancellation. All right. Today we're going to cancel uh, book burners. Now, this should be a cancellation that I'm doing in 1930s Germany, not modern America. But as always, those who allegedly hate fascism have a funny habit of copying its methods. Uh, And it's happening yet again. So here's the Newsweek report. It says a new TikTok trend has has, uh, emerged this week as former Harry Potter fans protest author J.K. Rowling's widely criticized views on trans people by burning copies of her books. Uh, one video posted by a TikTok u- uh, user shows a, a number of Harry Potter books being placed on a burning pyre. Um, you have to stop using death of the author as an excuse to have your cake and eat it too. The voiceover says, while the reader's perspective is an important part of interpretation and meaning, it is impossible to completely divorce a work from its creator. The voiceover continues, the positive impact that J.K. Rowling's work had on millions of readers does not negate how ha- her hateful lobbying has affected the trans community. This doesn't even touch on the harmful fat phobia. Oh, she's fat phobic now too. I hadn't heard about that. Uh, racism and valorization of supremacists and child abusers in her most famous work. The video ends with a message. Your love of Harry Potter is not more important than the lives of trans women. Well, there's a false dichotomy if I've ever heard one in my life. You have to choose between those two things. Either Harry Potter or quote unquote trans women. You, can't, it's the, you have to choose between them. 
Now, um, and you can see in the video here, one of the uh, book burnings happening. Um, now, why are people mad at J.K. Rowling? Well, this goes back, of course, to the controversy that Rowling stirred up months ago when she first came out as a believer in biology. This is a very stressful and dangerous thing for any celebrity or anyone who runs in left-wing circles. To be exposed as a biology believer can have serious consequences in their lives. For it to be found out that you believe that men have penises, um, this is the kind of thing that can ruin your life. J.K. Rowling, that's, she's discovered that ever since she admitted publicly that men have penises, many of her previous fans have had this vendetta against her. Now, this was ramped up this week when it was reported by Pink News, which is one of the most atrocious and dishonest left-wing rags in in existence, and there's a lot of competition for that title. Uh, It was reported that J.K. Rowling has written a transphobic novel about a man who dresses as a woman to kill his victims. And their tweet about it, which you can see right here, has 35,000 retweets with thousands of people reacting in horror based on a headline about a book that they haven't read. And the irony is that many of these people who are, who are freaking out about this book they haven't read, these are the same ones who said that you can't judge the Netflix movie Cuties without watching it. Now, of course, you could try to argue that, that the knife cuts the other way too. And I said you can judge Cuties without watching it. But here I'm saying you can't, you can't judge the book without reading it. Doesn't that make me a hypocrite? No, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why. Here's the difference. Cuties is a movie which means the scenes with the young girls in sexually compromised positions, that actually happened. They really did that. The filmmakers really had young children act that way, and they filmed it. So you can absolutely object to filming 11-year-olds twerking without watching 11-year-olds twerk. The same way you could object to someone drowning puppies without watching them do it. A book is different. Nobody is hurt in the making of a book. It's entirely fiction. It's just words. So you can object to certain acts being committed against children without seeing the acts, but it doesn't make sense to object to words being written without first understanding the context of those words. Hopefully the distinction there is clear and I don't, I don't need to dwell on it anymore. Um, now other media outlets have jumped on the pile. The Daily Telegraph, for example, reported that Rowling's book is about a transvestite killer, and the moral of the story is never trust a man in a dress. And I think this is from someone who also didn't read it, but they're telling you what the moral of the story is. Now, personally, I think that's a fine moral and good advice. And in fact, if you call that statement, never trust a man in a dress, transphobic, then you're saying that the person in the dress is a man. So wouldn't you be the transphobic one then by your logic? Um, In any case, it turns out that this is all being blown out of proportion, unsurprisingly. Madeline Kearns has a piece about this in the National Review. Uh, This is what she says. According to Nick Cohen, who reviewed Troubled Blood, that's the name of the book, after actually reading the book, transvestitism barely features in the plot, um, uh, and when it does, nothing is made of the fact that the killer wears a wig and a woman's, woman's coat, not a dress, as a disguise when approaching one of his victims. Cohen describes the work, which is the fifth installment in Rowling's uh, Cormoran Strike Crime Series as a 900-page novel that is Dickensian in its scope and gallery of characters. It tells the tale of Strike and his business partner, Robin Ellicott, who are hired by a middle-aged woman to investigate the disappearance of her mother in the 1970s. A, mother, a character called Dennis Creed is investigated because he was thought guilty at the time, but a good dozen other suspects are also investigated. He concludes, 
You have to search hard to find a justification for the belief that the book's moral seems to be never trust a man in a dress. So it's all bogus. And in fact, there's nothing new or strange about a story like this featuring a dude dressing in women's clothes to kill someone. Psycho, uh, Alfred Hitchcock has similar themes. Silence, Silence of the Lambs has uh, themes in, the, in that ballpark as well. Of course, I wouldn't expect these book burners to know that because they've only read one book in their lives, Harry Potter, and even their knowledge of film goes back no further than about 2006. All of this, and when I look at the modern left in general, it brings to mind a a quote from C.S. Lewis in his memoir, Surprised by Joy. And he said, a young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. There are traps everywhere. That's the quote. And what he meant is that for him, Atheism seems to be a tenuous and fragile worldview, which can be easily blown apart and so must be preserved and protected by, among other things, being very selective in what you choose to expose yourself to. I think this applies even more so to modern leftism, though atheism and modern leftism, of course, are not unrelated. But this is why we're seeing, you know, book burning popping up again, because knowledge, information, diversity of thought, differing viewpoints, these are a mortal threat to a worldview that cannot withstand the pressure cannot stand up against the scrutiny. All it can do is shout you down, shut you up, burn your book, cancel you, burn a building, throw a rock at you. So very often it has physical responses to intellectual challenges, and that's because its intellectual arsenal is empty. And you definitely know that's the case for you if you find yourself burning a book. And that's why book burners today are canceled. That'll do it for the show and for the week. Uh, Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 